0: Coming up next, it's Lord of the Rings. The last march of the Ents. The last march of the (laughs) Ents. We're going into The Two Towers, a very problematic movie, but we'll talk about that over on Sanity at the Movies when we talk about it. And I think by now you can hear our take on Fellowship of the Ring over on Sanity at the Movies and who should have walked in about halfway through that episode, but Brandon Jasteen. Tom Bombadil. Tom (laughs) Bombadil. Tom Bombadil himself, Brandon Jasteen. That's right. People don't realize that. I am actually Tom Bombadil. Yeah, your wife is a river spirit. Yep, I have... Yeah, she kind of is. You go into your house and it's kind of timeless. And, did you
1: know. I? Did we mention this factoid that I read about Tom Bombadil that he was actually just like his son's stuffed animal or something like that that he wrote in? It's like Winnie the Pooh. Pooh? Yeah. Oh, ah.
0: Tolkien's son's stuffed animal. <laughs> I was trying to make some kind of in-universe thing. Was, <laughs> no. Is, <laughs> this, just, is he doing a miln on here? <laughs> it's just Frodo's stuffed animal. No, that's awesome though, if Tom Bombadil. Oh, I, like a I stuffed gnome recently, or
2: something?
1: Yeah, stuffed miln
0: stuff gnome
2: gnome <laughs> no.
1: i have no yeah. i have no idea
0: he does have a gnomish quality to him he does have a gnomish quality the more you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm giving two thumbs up right now folks. that's amazing yeah. Nathan. that was great that was great it was yeah. gold berry great is <laughs> pure gold berry yeah, yeah
1: it is in memory of his kid's <laughs> in doll
0: in memoriam <laughs>
1: yeah it is that's what it says
0: wow he just said that in a letter or something like that? That is a fun.
1: Yeah, so you know, he had, they had this Dutch doll and he wrote poems about it for his kids. Huh. And the doll's name was Tom Bombadil. And so in a letter, he says, he's not an important person to the narrative. He represents something I feel important i would not be prepared to analyze the feeling precisely. I wouldn't have left him in if he did not have some kind of function he wanted there to be an adventure on the way, but yeah, it's basically, so he includes him because he wants this adventure on the way, but also it's just sort of like, it was something it seems cute. like an Easter egg for his kids. Yep.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That's really sweet. Makes me
2: like the guy even more. Yep. F- and like the character even less. Yeah. The father That's Christmas letters that he would do for his kids. It's amazing. Seemed like a great guy. Seemed like a great guy. I'd like to watch his wife dance. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: Who doesn't? In the woods. <laughs> Um, keep that in (laughs) I'll cut out who doesn't Um,
1: I wasn't saying we
0: like to watch Tolkien's wife dance (laughs) I know Brandon loves to watch Tolkien's wife dance he's there Nathan now uh, here's my first question about Two Towers Mm -hmm. let's just get into it okay would you guys say that this book represents a departure from Fellowship of the Ring does this book feel like it's own thing Tolkien famously wrote that Iron Thing is one big thing. So I guess the answer, if you know the history, is no. But does this book feel like it has its own voice or its own identity, or is it, does it just feel like the next chapter after the chapter that came before?
2: It definitely felt like it had its own flavor because you were in the field of Rohan for most of the first but it de- part of the book. It
1: also definitely felt like it picked up right where the yeah. last book left so, off. So
2: a little bit of both. Yeah, it's I con- mean...
1: It does start to differentiate because as the fellowship divides, the stories diverge and they do have their own feeling. It feels very different to be with the remainder of the fellowship than it does to be with Sam and Frodo as they go towards Mordor. But it feels very of a piece to me.
0: I've never quite been able to solve this problem in my own mind of uh, it feels like something changes to me. And I don't know whether it's the voice, especially by the time we get to Return of the King. It feels very, not archaic, but just grand in a way that you wouldn't expect based on those first chapters in the Shire. And I've never quite been able to decide whether that's just form following function, you know, like when we're talking about more grand stuff, so the style is going to be more elevated, or whether it feels like Tolkien's kind of actually changing his mind. The reason I even thought of about this is because you said the thing about Tom Bombadil it's like, okay, the first part of this book before they get to Council of Elrond, you could make a pretty good argument. It is him actually feeling some need to write a sequel to The Hobbit. They're having crazy little adventures and stuff like that. But it seems like by the end...
1: There would be no place for Tom Bombadil. There'd
0: be no t- place for Tom Bombadil. Like, even we're the we're telling the the great myth, the great legend of the ring, and that's what it's all about. And we're willing to even bore you. Like If, if there's pageantry that needs to happen with Aragorn's coronation and all that kind of stuff is going to happen because that's what it's all about. And you know, the white ladies standing upon the tower and da I don't mind it. I'm not trying to make fun of it. Although maybe it sounds like I am, but these books get progressively more kingly or serious? something more serious. Yeah. Just more serious. I guess that's,
2: but then it takes a while, right. A left turn at the end when you go back to the Shire.
1: Yeah. I would say, so I'm, I just finished book, five with my kids and it was almost incongruous so you you have after the battle you have him trying to bring back some of this uh yes humor like this pippin and mary humor that just doesn't really feel like it has any place in the book anymore everything's so bleak at that
0: we've suddenly gone into beowulf or something like we're suddenly in the middle of An epic, and everybody's kind of elevated a little bit.
1: Yeah, and then we're in the houses of healing, and Aragorn and Pippin are gonna like be making light of all of a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. This feels weird. Like I didn't. I had trouble. I've I've not had trouble being in character and reading at all throughout any of this book. So much uh, uh, until I got to this weird tonal. Yeah, mm-hmm. thing that just fell out of place in the Houses of Healing where was like, these are still the same delightful, funny ho- hobbits that, and it is funny, you know, Mary wakes up after Aragorn heals him or whatever mm-hmm. and is like, hi, hey, what time is it? Let's have some food, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is
0: like something that Bilbo would say in The Hobbit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and it is funny and the kids get a laugh out of that, but then it tries to take that tone and live there for just a minute and Aragorn adopts it and starts teasing, and then Aragorn gives some commentary. Like, what happens isn't like Mary or Pippin's like, I'm sorry, it's just the way of hobbits. We are shallow people and make jokes about Mm -hmm. things and have a hard time talking about serious things. And Aragorn's like, I know, that's why I adopted your jovial tone. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it was just weird.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess he mostly pulls it off because, you know, it's not like anybody reads this book and is like, I can't believe the language is suddenly real elevated here. That's not what I thought. Maybe somebody does. I guess the first time I read it as a kid, I did actually kind of stumble over. Some of that, like when we meet Eowyn later, well, in, this, in the book we're talking about today, and it's like, yeah. she was as pale as the fragrant flower upon the dewdrop <laughs> of the dawn or something. Wow. <laughs> like, wow, that's a far cry from Hobbiton. Yeah. But. <laughs> Except you get some of that weirdness with Goldberry. In. You do. You do. So
2: it's sprinkled in there. Then you get Rivendell. So there are hints of it. And this is a very transitional book. So there is some of the elevated stuff, but still it's coming through the ends. Mm-hmm. There's a good balance there because they're strange and weird, and right. and yet you're still getting this introduction to the deep world that belong that they belong to, but you still get a lot of the jovial humor of the hobbits, even with you know the chapter of Lotsam and Jetsam, which is pretty much just
0: just hang out.
2: Yeah, it's just a Pip and the Merry show. Right. Just hey, let's have some fun. Yeah. Eat some, smoke this, smoke some shire weed that we got, shire weed as yeah. they call it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have a good time. Mm. So. That chapter is very self-consciously like they the heroes are about to do their hero right. thing, and then it's like, "Hey guys, we're the dumb hobbits." And...
2: Yeah. it's just part of Tolkien's character that he was like, as a man, able to you well, know, he fought in World War, right? Um, and One. then yeah. yeah, I was about to say two, but it's World War One, <laughs> and um, as an old man, yeah, <laughs>
0: he commandeered a tank, yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. We forgot to get into that
2: part of his I'll life. I'll get but...
0: you, Sora!
2: <laughs> Tolkien, it's imaginary.
0: No, I'm gonna get you. always said it wasn't about war. Yeah. It was. <laughs> Fun fact, he dropped the atom bomb. Somebody should make that movie. <laughs> 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 or write that weird meta novel <laughs> where Tolkien's working as a double agent. <laughs> like that whatever rabbit, Jojo rabbit. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
2: No, so he was, so he had that, Soldier aspect to him. Then he also, he studied Beowulf mm. and the sort of high feudalism, medieval poetry, but still had this love of, it was a hobbit at heart as well. Yeah. He loved growing things. He loved the countryside. And so the book was just a reflection of, so he could switch from the woods with Aragorn and Gandalf, having become the white and the head of the wizard council and all the high language that's in the loftiness of Théoden's Hall. And go back immediately to the Hobbits and feel at home in both. So I think it's just a reflection of his wildly diverse interests and how he kind of tried to combine
0: them in this world. And I think he was pretty successful. He was. So I, th- I think I agree. I'm trying to decide whether in the moment right now, how I, I, st- I did stumble over it some of it when I was a kid. Some yeah. of the, high, the ele- more elevated stuff. I'll be interested to see what I think
2: when we get to Return of the
0: King. Yeah, Return of the King is definitely the one that you feel that tension the most if you feel it at all. Yeah. I guess it's just weird to me that like a lot of times he'll be such a master of understatement. I think like when Boromir dies, it just said Boromir smiled and did not speak again, which is great. Like some of his best lines are really underplayed.
1: Yeah. But the problem with that is that he's so subtle in those moments when somebody's really dying. Right. That you never can't. How many times is he going to say, And Frodo closed his eyes and knew no more. Mm -hmm. Or Pippin closed his eyes and knew no more or whatever. And it's played up like a death scene. But no, he just got knocked unconscious.
0: Yeah, it's almost like Like, there's a certain, I mean, again, we talked about with our Tilt to Kill Mockingbird episodes, you don't want to assume too much about authorial intent, but there's, there's a certain kind of British reserve to him where he doesn't mind like elevating someone riding a horse or something like that. Or or someone just declaiming something, but when you get to the deaths when you get to the scenes where you feel like this should be elevated, he's almost always gonna back off. Back off a little bit and say, like, yeah, well, then the guy died, then the huge dramatic, life-changing thing happened that changed everything. I don't know that there's much that we want to say about chapter one, the departure of Boromir. We kind of already have made the point ad nauseum that we like what the movies did with that. That brings us to the Chase, the Riders of Rohan and all that good stuff. Sorry. They meet those Riders of Rohan. Yeah, Aragorn has his 9,000th. I am Aragorn! Hear me roar!
1: It's actually only like his first or second, but...
0: And I think it's maybe his third because he does it with some orcs or some bad... He definitely does it with some bad guys at some point. Maybe in Moria, he pulls out his sword and they're all like, Not the sword! Maybe there's one group of people that he has to, or it, there's, the, there's the dumb mo- moment in the movie where Legolas is like, this is Aragorn, your future king, Boromir. And is there a moment like that in the Council of Elrond? Book? Where he kind of stands up
2: and says, I am Aragorn. I am
0: Aragorn. And son of Elisar. Throws open his cloak. A and, Numenorean, and, and yeah. Everybody's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. suddenly he's like eight feet tall. Eight. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that stuff. I never get tired of it. I mean, we've talked in our movie episodes about some of the reasons why we should be sympathetic to the movies wanting to maybe change that. Although we weren't aren't sympathetic to the way they change it. But uh, I never get tired of a character that people don't take seriously suddenly throwing off his cloak and yeah and revealing <clears throat> he's got some kind of power.
2: Except the movie, weirdly enough, is okay doing it with Gandalf in a way that the book doesn't do. Right? He, I don't. Th- I I don't think the book had that line. Don't take me for some conjurer of cheap. Trays. No, it doesn't.
0: Although I love that line. Yeah. We use that line in private conversation all the time yeah. when we're telling someone not to underestimate us. Yeah, but that's
2: completely the movie letting Gandalf say, "I am a wizard. I'm Gandalf." But then it doesn't really do it for Aragorn. But Aragorn kind of does that all the time with these books. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, with the uh, like the writers when they show up and Ammer's there. Don't take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks, Ammer. I could lop your head off right now if I wanted to with
0: Narsal. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any problems with the? what's the opposite of a rogues gallery with the heroes gallery of guys like Amor that like, do you think that somebody like Amor actually should be better defined or like, is that a weakness of Tolkien? Cause we are going to run into between Aramir, Thaoden and Faramir in this book alone. We're going to, and
1: gonna... there's at least one or two more in return of the King. Yeah. And then also
0: the... in this one, there's Hama, there's Hama and they're all just like, really cool dudes and Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli are all like the movie makes Gimli like grumpy and it's not great, but it's something really Aragorn yeah. Gimli and Legolas are all kind of just cool dudes too.
1: Yeah. I basically outside of our fellowship, I, when I'm reading them to the kids, I play all of those guys as the same guy. Yeah. I play yeah. them all straight. Just, you know, cause they
2: kind of are just kind the of, same guy. Yeah.
1: And it's basically just Aragorn's voice mm, right. that I use.
2: Yeah. Cause they're just Aragorn wannabes. That's all. Right. I think he's trying to show us the deep insecurities of men like that.
0: That's what it's all about. (laughs) Thanks, Peter Jackson, for highlighting that. Which is why that voice is just me,
1: but projecting to the back of the room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You read all the lines like this? (laughs) What do you see with your elf eyes, Legolas? Is that how you read it? Basically, <laughs> I yeah. think that should just be your narrator voice. <laughs> Boy, Mayor closed his eyes and did not speak again. <laughs> Do you think your kids could handle it if you did? Would they actually enjoy the book if you did that? No. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. <laughs> no, they would wonder what's wrong with that. <laughs> Instead of having a stroke. <laughs> So are we settling on it? So you, you play all the characters. So you, are, you acknowledge that they are kind of the same guy, at least in yeah, the way you intuitively yeah. read it. Is that a problem with Tolkien? Is it just something he's not interested in at all? We I kind just of think talk it's something before? he's not
2: interested in. I don't think it's a problem. I don't, I don't think it would add to the story. To...
1: The only thing that makes it weird to me is that he spends so much time on the scenery. He spends so much time developing his scenery everywhere he goes. But he doesn't spend any time really developing character. And that, to me, is strange. It makes sense to give short sh- shrift and to just keep a rotating. If you're trying to create a sense of bigness, mm-hmm. right, the, the largeness of this army and the goodness of, you know, these fighting men of all these places, and you want more people that you can have die later and have it mean a little bit of something, if not so much to you, but to the characters that you actually do care about, that that makes a lot of sense and you can keep driving the plot for it because you're using them to ornamentation on the plot mm-hmm. to the story rather than a, a, an essential character driven part of the story. But I guess the place where that argument fails for me is Gandalf's going to go on a ride to Gondor and we're going to spend 10 pages talking about all the lands that he is passing through on shadow facts.
0: And it's literally being like on a tour with like, you're in a bus and something. Gandalf's going to be like, look over there. There's that thing. Exactly. (laughs) Pippin's going to be like, okay, cool. Yeah. And Tolkien's going to write all that in great detail.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so there is the fact that he's so fascinated with scenery and so little fascinated with psychology, with psychology, with character. Yeah. That is definitely the
0: opposite of like me, for example, as a reader, I'm,
1: And it's very much, yeah, it's very much the opposite of me as a reader. I do not, the thing I care absolutely the least about in all of literature is going to
0: be the scenery. Yeah, all we just need, like, there was a castle.
1: I can supply a lot of castle with my imagination. And you can tell me a lot about that castle through action, which is how I prefer you to give me scenery. But people reading the books originally- scenery through action instead of description. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, obviously I agree with that 100%. I mean, I guess you could argue, not only did they not have the Lord of the Rings movies, which I mean, that does like, okay, I know what Helm's Deep looks like because I've seen it. But they also didn't have the internet just pull up pictures of castles and stuff. So maybe they really did need more when Tolkien was writing.
1: Yeah, maybe. But how much of his descriptions are of countrysides?
0: Yeah, it's just a lot of trees, really. It's a
1: lot of trees and plains the, and fields. The yeah. dude loved his trees, as we will talk yeah. about. I don't think what you're saying is that you
2: wish that he had provided more reality by making his characters worse, right? <laughs> right. I'm thinking, well, somebody would respond, well, isn't that just what George R. R. Martin did with the
1: Game of Thrones?
0: Yeah, we don't need them to be two-dimensional in the sense that, or three-dimensional in the sense that they're just as flawed and terrible as we are, yeah. Which let's is always just
1: differentiate them a little bit. Yeah, let's give them some. You know, if you can see all of these features that in the differences between these forests, if you can, can, yeah. can can't you give us a little bit of shading on what makes Aemir different from Feramir? Yeah. If you can
2: make every mountain pass seem like a different mountain pass, and every mountain seem like a different mountain, mm-hmm. yeah, and probably you can
1: every tree seem like a different tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can sake.
2: easily give or a little bit of a difference than Farhammer.
1: There are places where he does a whole lot of awesome work and scene setting. To me, it's always, the places where I appreciate that most are always going to be when we s- start to transition into, wh- either we're going to go down into the mines of Moria or we're going to go out into the dead wastes of, Mor- mm. of Mordor or someplace like that where it's, it's a contrast to what we know and what we already know from our experience. Right, right. And it's alien and it's foreign and it's saying something it's evil or different or dark or when you get into a uh, that's fine, Yeah, you know, because Lothlorien is alien, but so much time is spent on things that are so <clears throat> familiar to all of us.
0: Well, one of the best pieces of writing advice I've ever read, I think it's in On Writing by Zinzer. William Zinser, which is a wonderful book that I recommend to our listeners. If you want to learn how to write, it's the sec- it's second only to Strunk and White. Uh, he says somewhere, or maybe Strunk and White say this, but I think it's Zinzer. He said, and I'm sure other people have said it too, it's an obvious piece of advice, but uh, the, the way that he put it has always stuck with me, which is never tell people that the grass was green. You can tell them that the grass was blue or that it was red or that it was yellow. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that we already know then don't tell us. And that's just like, that's the problem with every high school descriptive essay. It's going to yeah. be like, the great t- brown trees rose into the sky. It's like- Into the crystal clear blue the, sky. I was like, we know that the tree is brown. You don't have to supply that. Supply anything else. Dotted
1: with clouds of white. You know, <laughs> whoa, clouds <are laughs> of <Whoa>. white? <laughs> what? Wow, you've blown my mind here, man. <laughs> I can picture it now. That's <laughs> pure
0: poetry right there. Tolkien's not as bad as all that. I, no, no, no. Uh, and not trying to equate him with... His, he he's, is, a, he's a good describer.
1: Yeah, and if you like to live in that, <laughs> he's really great at it and vivid. And he is trying to do work with it. I just It's just work I don't particularly tend to appreciate. He wants you to be so immersed in the beauty of the Shire and the movement out of the Shire that you feel that contrast when you come to Mordor and to other yeah. places right. and all that works and makes sense. It's just that I don't care for it and I don't actually need that much.
0: Well, work. it may be that you also, you I don't think I do. One, made, one might need more than one thinks, you know, in other words, right. it might be doing exactly. some psychological, it might be affecting your mood and the way that you feel about the right. story in ways that you don't even think of. All you think is, can we get to the next bit of dialogue right. <laughs> or action? Yeah but i i think um well well, go ahead yeah
2: i don't mind it as much but i i don't mind being outdoors and nature and stuff so i i kind (laughs) of like
1: and i hate it right well (laughs) but
0: you
2: don't hate nature like jake (laughs) you guys despise ever stepping foot
0: outside right (laughs) that might be true of me um (laughs)
1: call us We call you ghost, Brandon, but it's because we're the ghosts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: We've oh, we pale white. Well, you can find videos on Instagram of Brandon <laughs> being here. giving lectures about like that's maybe they, Orion's belt up yeah, there. That's right, maybe yeah. that didn't come across correctly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's an appeal to certain types of people where they, they like that sort of thing, and I think that he's scratching some people where they itch. Where they, oh, yeah, C.S. Lewis talks about and it can be overdone. He's like, he liked to just sit there and imagine canyons and mountains and stuff that he made up in his mind. And I think that there are places in this book where that's overdone, but it's fun to see this countryside and it's fun to have the grandeur of it described. And he does a good job. He does do a good job. Uh, where, when it comes down to it, he does a pretty good job at that. So I think that it's characteristic of his kind of fantasy. And then a lot of the fantasy world building that you would have after him has to do with these people who just want to make up worlds of their own. And so that's part of the fascination of it. And it might not appeal to you. And
1: Uh, I'll say what I've said in other places.
0: If I want
1: poetry, I'll I'll, read poetry. poetry.
0: I actually don't mind poetry. I mean, like, I don't, if he's going to elevate things, like if he's going to actually just describe Lothlorien and go for it and just try and make it sound like the most beautiful place, some of that stuff's really cool, I think. When he says yeah. that he Frodo can L- Lothlorien hear-
1: Florian is cool.
0: He can hear like the lost ocean, you know, oceans that haven't been heard since the dawn of history, stuff like that. I, that really s- speaks to that thing in me that just loves the fae and mysterious, but- Florian
1: is cool. Uh, Merkwood in The Hobbit is cool.
0: I think Fangorn's, I think every place has maybe something like that, but then there's- Fangorn is cool. There's the other stuff.
1: Yeah, but it's, yeah, it is all the other where stuff. Where
0: it's just bucolic, basically. It's a lot right. of the Shire stuff. It's like the- here we are on another field full of not magical trees, but it's like trees. James, it's
2: like reading a James Harriet story. Yeah, well, I, I like James Harriet just fine.
0: Well, the thing that I think is, I regret maybe in some way that I don't like it as much. I feel like my life is too fast paced to stop for it. Like no, if I, I just that. had a when, long when you winter say that, evening, I feel that too. I, I would love to be able to lose myself in a book, like people who love books get to. You know, sometimes when you're a kid over summer break or something, like you just get lost in it. and You don't even hear what's going on around. I would love to have that experience. That is not the life that I have at all, and it's kind of sad. But I'm also happy with the life that I have, and I'm happy that I can read Tolkien and kind of get through mm. those parts and enjoy them anyway. You
2: become a tree killing orc. Yeah,
0: I am. <laughs> Rip them all down. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> I, just, I ripped those pages out of my book. Okay, so yeah. let's, let's give that
2: is something that people need. To let's know.
1: give Tolkien all of it, yeah. all of the bucolic, everything. It's there. It's good. It's purposeful. It's meaningful. Lots of people just love it and enjoy it because lots of people, when they're reading this, are just there to live in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Let's bring a little bit of that elbow grease to
0: character, yes. please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. I think. I do, is, I do miss character development. I, I get tired of the the next like great guy showing up, the next He Man kind of character. Aamir in particular, it's like really another. Well, and then, but then there are really moving moments. We're going to get to some, I hope today. With no, we won't. We'll get to them next episode or so. With Faramir, yeah, he knows how to hit moments of action and decision in a way that's moving.
1: Oh yeah. Well, he's well. Fact is. Manful courage and sacrifice is almost always moving Mm -hmm. and he knows how to hit those beats.
0: He's also, he gets away with a lot of it, I think, because he's just that, he's a really good dialogue writer, which is something that he maybe doesn't get credit for, but his wry sort of sarcastic twee British dialogue that like all his characters kind of, unless they're Gollum or Sam or someone who's really distinct, they all kind of talk the same. They have the same sense of humor. But it helps that it's a good sense of humor. You know, you like to hear the word play and the way that you know Gandalf's not going to just say, "I'm glad that you didn't throw an axe at me." He's going to say, "I you can be forgiven for wanting to put an incurable dent in my hat," which is a really fun way to say that. And you know, you don't stop and. That, that's a really good one. They're not all that good. But there's a lot of things like that where it's just like Tolkien would be a fun guy to talk to. Yeah. It sounds like he has a very wry sense of humor and he gives it to almost all of his characters. And so it's a little bit like what people accuse Aaron Sorkin of. All the characters kind of just sound the same. And then, you know, some of us like the way that Aaron Sorkin characters sound. Some it's of kind us... of fun to
2: watch an Aaron Sorkin show.
0: Yeah, I do. I You know, I, I, I think Aaron Sorkin could do Put some elbow grease in and differentiate these characters. They really are just all, you know, the same thing. The same guy, person, yeah. basically. But same thing with Tolkien. It helps a lot that I just
1: everybody walks down a hall and finishes each other's sentences and finishes
0: each other's sentences and kind of has the same kind of. There's no difference between those characters on West. They're, they Snark. are they are all snarky.
2: Well, I think in his They're
1: case, always snarkily walking down a hall and yep. yeah. finishing each other's sentences with snarky.
2: In those cases where people have just one voice, yeah. I, I have a theory that he probably missed his calling as, of being a personal essayist because mm-hmm. he just wants to have one voice speaking the whole time. Just like people who just want to write about landscape and stuff probably miss their calling of being a poet. You hear that, Tolkien? You missed your calling.
0: Well, <laughs> That's what <Brandon's, laughs> Brandon said it's, it. <laughs> it's not a traditional
2: novel in the sense that it's going to develop character like we would expect from... But it's not trying to do that's It's an epic. It's fitting
0: into something different. Well, so. if you wanted to really make the argument, you could. You know who else makes his characters sound the same? Shakespeare. Homer. It's true. Homer, you know. I mean, Tolkien is Shakespeare. Tolkien wouldn't be on this. If, if, if Tolkien was guesting on this podcast, he wouldn't be surprised by me saying all his characters kind of talk the same.
2: He'd probably say, yeah, you're right.
0: He might get a little indignant and say, what about Gollum? What about Sam? What about you know, a couple of the ones that are supposed to be colorful. Am I here? I might just say, what of it? Yeah. But I think, yeah, mostly he'd just be like, yeah, of course they do. They talk like me. Yeah. And I and really I'm like awesome. the way that he talks and he comes up with nice little sub conflicts. They don't really add psychology, but they do add drama and humor. Like Gimli being insulted by AMR saying something nasty about the late, the lady of Lorien, you know, and then that kind of being a running thing mm-hmm. or like, listen, Gimli, ticking off how many guys they've killed there are fun little things like that that add wit and color and humor and interest without necessarily adding any psychological shading yeah so
2: which allows you to fill it in a lot with your imagination which is what he wants you to do you can live in the world a little better yeah be a part of it in a way that you can't with an author who's very good at depicting character and right. distinguishing like an Austin or a you, try to avoid get, saying the author that everybody expects me to say
1: the color that you get, even in those types of things really come down to a couple of things though. And it's really just sort of like honor, valor yeah, and the joy of battle. Like yeah. what yeah. the reason why defending
0: gonna, super transcendentally awesome babes honor. Yeah.
1: Right? You're like awesome it's dudes. it's an offence to Gimli's honor that he 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 can't allow somebody to speak against such a great right. lady. He and Legolas are gonna be ticking off how many competing over who has the most kills because
0: maybe he had a sniper rifle and was doing that.
1: Actually there's a little bit of there's joy in a righteous battle right. to yeah. be engaged in a righteous battle and you know, a healthy sort <laughs> of masculine, we're not gonna be too complicated about you know feeling bad about killing the bad guy when they're the actual bad guy yeah. like it's a good thing that we do and when we engage in righteous battle we have we fight with the Lord on our side and and it's good the people, And people I killed yeah. more than you so ha but having right.
2: that simple morality with uh, one dimensional characters in a world that and it's having clearly the world, black and white yeah it's it's something that scythe it obviously appeals to fantasy sci-fi so like Star Trek is very much like that right almost every single character is pretty much the same right and and it has the federation morality and then interesting worlds
0: that's pretty much what you see playing out there well I think it's fair to say I've read a lot more genre fiction than you guys oh rub it in mister well I'm yeah because I'm A dork. I mean, you you rub it in. You can rub it in if you want to. Yeah, you dork. (laughs) It always used to frustrate me because I love good dialogue and I love good characters. And I just remember at a certain point realizing, you know what? In so many of these things, good dialogue and good characters would get in the way. Like, we're trying to evoke a world here. If it's sci-fi, like Star Trek, we're trying to evoke a moral conundrum, you know? Are we going to violate the prime directive to help these people but also screw up the timeline, you know? It's like... You have complicated, interesting characters that are behaving with the depth of a Tolstoy novel or something. They are going to 100% get in the way of these simple, intriguing situations that genre fiction of any type, whether it's romance novels or horror well, novels, well, tends to thrive those on. Those types
1: of genre fiction, they function so much more like fairy tales or parables. Right. Right? And no, any parable that introduces complexity or moral complexity is going to be an ineffective parable. Right. The whole point of the parable is to have contrast. What right? if, and, and, it, so that you can draw a clear conclusion and then apply it to your own right. morally ambiguous gray situation.
0: Uh, another way of saying it is so many of those those stories exist to ask what if? And if, you know, like what if we went to a planet where people could switch genders? What if this? What if that? And if it's like what if, and then we throw a Dostoevsky character in there, and he's going to violate the what if by doing a bunch of random stuff
1: that a real person that a real do.
0: person might do, it's like that's not why I read this. I read this to be intrigued by Question. the what if, and to answer it usually in a moral way. I mean, usually whether it's really horror, romance, anything, these these things exist to prop up our notions and to help our notion form our notions of what is right and wrong. A romance novel is about who should belong with who a horror novel is about what is scary and those what-ifs exist to do that and you put any kind of psychological depth in there it can really upset the balance i love it when somebody can do it those are those tend to be my favorite things when Mm -hmm. somebody can give us the complete package
2: you might Uh, say you find it delicious
0: i might even say i I find well a good example of this actually is you can go to patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies to listen to me and jake talk ad nauseum every week about Clone Wars and Clone Wars is some of our favorite Star Wars precisely because it's asking a lot of interesting questions of these genre characters it's also still pretty simple and pretty genre-y but we actually like it the best because it is a little bit more complicated and more shades of gray but you wouldn't have Clone Wars if you didn't start with New Hope and a farm boy that wants to have an adventure you know you gotta with these kinds of things Start simple, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then get grand. Well, and it's not like Tolkien can't do a character with shades of gray. He just he saves it for where it's effective and where it's useful for his big grand what ifs. So it's Gollum. I mean, it's basically Gollum.
2: Gollum is the shades of gray guy. Shal-
0: yeah. Shal- Gollum is relatively complex compared to. He's still really there's just two golems. I don't. I don't think that Peter Jackson actually messed that up. That might be a controversial take. I suppose we'll get that, get there soon enough, but well, let's see. Huh? I guess we have successfully talked through chapter two. Sweet. <laughs> the writers of Rohan. So that brings us to chapter three, the uruk Uh We're going to get the uruk and then we're going to get Treebeard. Beard. Maybe my question should be, was Tolkien an environmentalist? Kind of. Yeah, I mean, kind of.
1: I don't know that environmentalist is the right word, maybe anti-industrialist. He was definitely, maybe, in,
2: yeah. Yeah. I don't think it really is a question as to whether or not he was anti-industrial. I mean, he wasn't, what's that guy that everybody loves nowadays? Michael Moore? No, that poet everybody worships. Wendell Berry. Wendell Berry, yeah. yeah. He wasn't a Wendell Berry, for sure, but he definitely loved trees and he loved nature and he hated- He hates factories and machinery and- Yeah, I mean, he sees them as gross and- Dehumanizing. Um, dehumanizing, which I mean-
1: there's reality to that. There is
2: reality to it. We already touched on how complicated these sorts of issues are in our, our I brought it up with the To Kill a Mockingbird episodes. Like it or not, factories and farm, uh, meat farms and, you know, things like this can be very troubling. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that we do, you know, I've, I work in oil and gas. I've seen the way they put in wells and you realize, yeah, they do have to tear things down when you do strip mining. They are tearing down mountains. And there is it's there's a cost to that. There real. is a cost to it, and it's a gray area where you have to think through the complexities of having been given creation both to use and to also care for and care steward. for and steward, yeah. And that's the difficulty of being a steward is knowing where that line is. So you can't and I think that's what he sees is he's is what he hates about Saruman is he hates the so they it's not like they never start fires. Right. And that every tree, They you know what I mean? Meat. I mean? They eat meat. They eat meat. So he's not an environmentalist in the sense that you should never touch a tree, to, to, but it's the wastefulness of it.
0: There's a hierarchy that Tolkien accepts that I think a real kind of earth Gaia mother environmentalist of today wouldn't, which is, yeah. I mean, even the trees need shepherd. Like the trees need to be told no, <laughs> actually, yeah. weirdly enough in these stories. Like the trees can't just be allowed to do whatever they want. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they go bad if they're untended. Actually, you need tree shepherds and tree yeah. elves, and you need people caring for them. Even in the shire, the relatively bucolic shire area, yeah, that forest kind of went bad. Although, why did that forest go bad? I guess that forest didn't go bad. That forest did go bad, though. Why didn't well, Tom and Willow went bad? Yeah, and he had all these little invisible tendrils. The whole forest is kind of out to get him, isn't it? A little bit. I think
2: the old man Willow was kind of...
1: Yeah, the, it, but it's calling and yeah. Yeah. shepherding them into a trap.
0: Yeah. He does have a little bit of that, the Willows kind of, or any kind of good environmental s- story where it's like, this is bigger than you and like, you, better, uh, you better be careful before you mess with it too much. Like, like that
2: sci-fi maybe, that, what was that Um, recent one? Annihilation? Yeah. Yeah. It had that sense about it of... Every good environmental sci-fi. Or, or even
0: just something like The Perfect Storm. Like, you better be careful when you go out fishing because you could just find yourself in the middle of something crazy. and
2: Yeah, you never know when nature's
0: going to mm-hmm. bite back. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes nature bites back.
2: <laughs> Those
0: trees, their bark oh, come is
2: on. worse than their bite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, Brandon. You guys like Treebeard? You guys like Treebeard tree fans? Is he kind of more, I mean, he's a character that's kind of set up like, And then he went on boringly. Does Hokean pull off the trick of describing a character who talks long and slowly and not making it boring? Or does he fall into the trap of-
2: He certainly doesn't make, he doesn't play up the boringness as much as Jackson does. No,
0: Jackson kind of feels like he just doesn't like tree beard that much.
2: There wasn't quite as much making fun of the ants as as the movies do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which gets back to the fact that he just, I think he likes the ants and he likes that concept and he likes the trees. And so he doesn't feel as much hatred towards it, even though I'm pretty sure Peter Jackson would be more willing to classify himself as an environmentalist. So.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I think I've said this before, but it does fascinate me that this book, maybe more than any other book you can name, tends to unite people at the broadest ends of the liberal or conservative spectrum. Like your, your most hippie, dippy. Yeah. This was people. a flower child book. Yeah. This, this was a big deal in the sixties. And mm. then it's also like conservative crusty Christians love it too yeah good job Tolkien
2: you can kill some orcs mm-hmm. you know but you, then you can also save some trees kill an orc save a tree <laughs> kill an orc save a tree <laughs> all right I completely forgot that Saruman just showed up and sort of stared at them and then left oh that was creepy yeah <laughs> that's weird and he doesn't really do anything with it <laughs> no yeah, it is weird you're like why why does that even happen I think the movie just makes it out like that was Gandalf, right? Yeah, the movie's like, there's a white wizard in the woods. Who can it be? Yeah. Yeah. They don't try to make it out as though Saruman's also
0: wondering about. <laughs> I love the idea of Saruman. It's really creepy. Just, yeah. I don't know why Saruman needs to go for walks, and if he sees these dudes, why doesn't he blast them?
2: Yeah,
0: it leaves that question just They've there. seems like these these are some guys that have elected the way of pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I need to have Saruman in like a wrestler's outfit. You have elected the way boy of pain.
0: <laughs> I gave you the chance of aiding me willingly. That brings up another question, because what you made me think is the way that the whole way that Saruman is structured, where you never meet him until you do, is really weird. And also just the way the, this book is structured is not what I would intuit. And what do you guys think about Stolkine's decisions to spend so much time with one block of people to devote an entire book and leave you hanging. And just the way that he structures this book, like if, you, if you're reading it for the first time, whether you've seen the movies or not, I think you don't expect it to like, I can't so, think I, of another yeah, book that like, it really does this. Exactly. When, when I
1: first it, read almost it, feel, yeah. sorry, go ahead.
2: I was, I was just gonna say, when I first read it, I was disappointed. I wanted to have bits of each mm-hmm. yeah. and I wanted to especially get back with Frodo and Sam. It, yeah, like you spent
0: a long time away from those guys.
1: Yeah. yeah, it feels... It feels tangential. It feels like this is
2: not the important stuff. You want to be with Frodo and Sam.
1: Here's what I want to say, and this is going to be taken as blasphemy, and I can't really justify it. It oh. feels
0: lazy. You're saying it feels...
1: Like lazy writing.
0: Like this was the easy way out?
1: Yeah, instead of trying to find a way...
0: He didn't want to get out his flow chart and figure out, like, this was happening during this and...
1: Well, I don't think he would have minded getting his flowchart out, but I think doing the work of figuring out how to interweave mm-hmm. two, two different stories yeah. as they diverge.
2: Yeah, that's I think that's the laziness because he still, I mean, even in the Frodo Sam sections, he still has the hints at like, oh, there go the Nazgul. They must be headed towards right. the tower, stuff like that. So he knows the timeline. Yeah, right.
1: he, he knows, and he's going to drop them. He's going to drop in like a thing happens over here that we're going to see happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, or feel the effects of at the right time. Yeah. But it's- He didn't want to do the work that, oh
2: man, I said I wasn't going to mention him, but Tolstoy did it very well in both Anna
0: Karenina and War and Peace. Tolstoy was who I was thinking of actually yeah. when I was like- He managed to weave about a million storylines together. Well, and he'll spend a chunk, but it's not like we're going to tell all of this character's He story. benefits from having extraordinarily short chapters too. He does, he does. But Yeah. I mean, you have to remember, I guess- Maybe my argument against the laziness would be Tolkien...
1: I'm not committed to being lazy. No. I'm just saying it does feel... It feels a little... You could say lazy. You could say kind of like a cop-out.
0: If he considered all the options, this was the easy easy one. The only
2: reason I'm willing to kind of
0: go that way is because I felt that when I first read
2: it. Mm -hmm. I felt like, well, this is just non-traditional. This isn't the way that most people would handle it, and I felt kind of frustrated by it. I'm like, I want... I don't want just a whole dose of these guys. Mm-hmm. By the time I get to Frodo and Sam, I'm burnt out. I you know, I don't want to be with Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli this long.
0: Well, and he actually does swap to the hobbit like he's not incapable of having interweaving stories because in this book it's the hobbit's story for a little bit and then although even there he often prefers to have some characters meet up and then some characters tell those characters what happened.
1: Yes. Very much
0: as opposed to us actually getting to see the Entwash and all that stuff. Well, yeah. It, I think
2: book, is, I guess it's book three is proof that he could have done it mm-hmm. because you have Aragorn and Gimli on the hunt, and then you have the uruk High chapters, and then you have them going to Rohan, and then Gandalf's there, and that's kind of where all the stories cross paths.
0: But what we're really going to do is shuffle the hobbits off as quickly as possible and then just hang with Aragorn until Aragorn meets back up with the hobbits, and then the hobbits will be like, a bunch of cool stuff happened.
1: This is what it was like. This is what yeah. it was
0: like. Wish you could have seen it. Wish you could
1: have been there. <laughs> he, he, he does that over and over again. Yeah. We don't get to see what happens when, when Aragorn and Gandalf and the writers of Rohan split up in ret, uh, Return of the King. We get to see the beginning of Pippin's journey and spend a little time there. Then we go and see the beginning of uh, the writers of Rohan. Then we go and see Aragorn uh, lead us through the paths of the dead. And then we just, boom, we go to Gondor and we live in Gondor. And we see the writers of Rohan coming from the perspective of Gondor. Yeah. And then we see uh, Aragorn showing up on the river in mm-hmm. the ship with black sails from the perspective of Gondor. And then we get this like, well, this is what happened. You know, these epilogues sort of like, well, now that we're all healed in the houses of whatever, this is, and Aragorn's off in the tent, you know, plotting our mutual destruction. Right. Let's tell the story of how we went oh, up yeah,
2: to- Oh, We're not there yet, but that house is a healing chapter. Oh. If I had a chapter that's my least favorite chapter, that's gotta be a candidate. You I know, keep
1: bringing it up because it's, 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 it's bad.
0: Everything that's in there I like, but man, the placement- Structurally is so lame. Well,
2: it's it's I think is what Jake's saying is that he Throw it in the appendix, dude. He can yeah. kind of be to, uh, tone deaf, tune deaf. <laughs> tune deaf. He can kind of be tone deaf sometimes as to what he shows us in a story. Right, and right. the in per- his perspective can off, be off sometimes. Like, I find
0: that okay. This is going to sound super con- condescending, but I find it kind of adorable though that he's just so happy with boring stuff. <laughs> yeah, like you guys are going to love this. <laughs> Wait till you get a load of the houses of healing. And you
2: wondered out, Have you ever wondered how long it takes to? Uh, heal from a Wraithblade.
0: It <laughs> <A long laughs> takes time. a long
2: time and lots of stuff can happen. Hey guys, look, here's
1: this comic character who's a lore master, but he's stupid. Yeah. Because he can tell you about all the names for these things, but he thinks that they're worthless. So. <laughs>
2: yeah. It'd be like if a Civil War movie decided that the majority of it just needed to be from the medic's tent. Right. <laughs> While well, the guys just laying there well, writhing.
1: You know, there's this great show called MASH. I don't know if you're- I no mm-hmm. that. That's true. That's true. Yeah,
0: that'd be stupid. No one would watch that's, that. That sounds dumb.
2: <laughs> I bet you can't make a
0: famous show out of that. Well, what you wouldn't want to do is promise everybody the most awesome Civil War battle show. And yes. Then spend that's a bunch what of time. That's <laughs> <what I'm> d- <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. <laughs>
2: this is why I lose the law. The the law episodes. The
1: legal episodes. Legal whatever. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say it's because of my ability to to have 70s TV shows at my right. fingertips. That's right. That's, that is Jake's great power. Yeah. <laughs> my
2: superpower. <laughs> he is gonna write the next Stranger Things.
0: <laughs> but Brandon, did you think about that girl? <laughs> the Jeffersons? What? <laughs> no. no, I didn't. <laughs> All in the family much. Yeah. Um I will say we are so attuned and sophisticated in the way that we understand cross-cutting because we understand cinema because of George Lucas and because of uh, D.W. Griffith with Birth of a Nation. Like Hollywood has perfected the art of creating suspense through cutting between different storylines. And we're so used to it. And suspense writers, you know, you're Michael Crichton's, you're what's the guy that wrote Da Vinci Code, you're Dan Brown's, people like that. They have perfected the art of, I mean, these guys spend months outlining their books, you know, like a a Tom Clancy or something. He's dead now. But somebody like that spends a lot of time thinking about how can I bring this chapter to a fever pitch and then stop and go somewhere else for a chapter? And, And how can I juggle all that for maximum suspense? Because that's what you're reading my book for, and that's what you're paying for in your grocery. We really take all that for granted. I don't think it's something that Tolkien was necessarily probably processing what he was doing would have been more intuitive like tolkien would never write the book this way now we are we all accept certain rules of of suspense storytelling that tolkien just violates all over the place because they didn't exist so i guess that's that's where i'd make some space for him plays shakespeare same thing man i mean shakespeare doesn't know shakespeare does not satisfy me in the the way that he cuts between action and in the action that he shows and doesn't show some of it may have been dictated by what he could show on the stage but oh. I mean, how often in Shakespeare play will some good doofus come on and tell you that the most exciting Stuff thing happened just, just happened it's like all the time? Well, I think part of that, if you're thinking of the history plays, that is because it had to be portrayed off Right, I understand that, and I'm not. But I, I do want to make some if space. Shakespeare could have given you a bloody battle on stage.
1: Oh, he, he would he, have. Yep, he would have done that.
0: I don't know that he would have. I mean, I, yes, on the one hand, yes, I agree with you 100%. On the other a hand, Julius
2: Caesar getting stabbed to death.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not arguing with that, but I do want to make some space for the fact that I, I really do believe 100% what I said. We are living in the 21st century with 100 years of cinema behind us are so much more sophisticated in what we expect and what we know about how these things work yeah. than these I guys would have been.
2: Romeo and Juliet's a good counter to that because that does have all these, and there's like three storylines at the end that are right. all converging on that cemetery right at the end you have Romeo's and then you have Juliet's and then you also have the friar trying to get to them on time and you have these three narratives all coming to this climactic point. Right. I mean, so you, you see some of it.
0: Yeah, it's great. I mean, I'm not going to say that you, you're, you're going to be able to think of a million example, counter examples to what I'm saying, but yeah,
1: the general point I think is fair and still stands. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We,
0: we, we just think, we just think cinematically these days. You're right. And you, uh, that's another argument you could Place make about all the descriptions. Like, we're, we're
1: just like, action,
0: come on, dude.
1: The place where it does, th- this strategy does work the best, and I'm sorry to keep jumping ahead to Return of the King, is we have no idea what's happened to Sam and Frodo. And we've gotten all the way through the Battle of Gondor, and now Gandalf's like, well, we can't beat Mordor in battle any way you cut it. We have one hope, and mm-hmm. that's that somehow Frodo gets the ring into Mount Doom. And so what we should do is since our lives are basically forfeit, no matter what, unless that happens is we should march up to the gates of Mordor and throw our lives away as distractions. Right. Mm -hmm. So that even if we die, we have done everything in our power to increase the possibility that there'll be a new age after all of this. Right. And they go up to them. They go up and the mouth of Sauron comes out and he's got, Frodo and Sam's things, and yes. everybody has the despair, and nobody knows what to do. And it feels like Gandalf might just concede, and then Gandalf straightens up and says, screw it, let's all fight and die. That all converges on them, and we switch to Pippin's perspective, and we see the guardsman from Gondor, I forget his name off the top of my head, because he's another one of those...
0: Just a good guy. Yeah, Bo- Bo- Bor-
1: Boramond or Bo- Borgond or Baragond or something like that. Right. Baragond, I think it is. We see him die and then Pippin gets crushed and he has this sort of like death scene and it's the end. He knew no more. He, and he knew no more. And now it's what happened. How did things stand? And now we're going to go all the way back to where we left Frodo and Sam. Yeah. I mean, Tolkien and actually- that, that really. That's cool.
0: That works. I mean, he does actually use those tricks of us, like Dan Brown, like, I'm going to plant a question in your mind, and then I'm going to refuse to answer it as oh. long as possible. He just stretches it out longer than where he used to. Two Towers to. ends that way. Yeah, Two Towers. That was the other one I was thinking of. Bang, clang, the that, doors, and
2: Frodo was captured alive. Yeah, and, and right. Sam's like, no! And yeah. that's
0: a wonderful cliffhanger, and then you got to wait forever yep. to find out. Talk but, about a
2: great chapter name. The Choices of Master Samwise. Is,
0: that is... Tolkien's are really good at chapter names. Yeah. If we haven't said that already, I'm sure no one wants to argue that point. But Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah. Is it the many choices of Master Samwise or just the choices? I think the choices, but it could be the many choices. I probably have it right here. Mm-hmm. 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 The choices of Master Samwise. Yeah. Comes right after Shelob's Lair, one of the coolest chapters, and oh yeah, all going to be a fun oh, one to yeah. talk about. Mm-hmm. Yep. But in order to talk about that, we've got to talk about a lot of other stuff that. We haven't even brought Gandalf back to life. Oh, I think no. we're going to have to save that for next time. We resuscitating. Come back to Lord of the Rings. Because I didn't want to talk about that. But right now, the thing that I really want to do is shout out our patrons. Shout out dim patrons. I can't imagine we won't be able to finish this book off next time. Because there's not that much more to talk about. I mean, I, I know you guys want to go over the... Oh, well, there is Gollum. No, the, the, I mean this, this book, book. Book three. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow.
1: The voice of Saruman.
0: We got to talk about Gandalf. So next time, folks, we're going to talk about Gandalf. We're going to talk about the voice of Saruman. We're going to talk about... The Palantir. Yeah, we're going to talk about Helm's Deep. I don't know what we're going to say besides it was cool, but... It was deep. Yep. It was deep, man. Helm's (laughs) Deep. Some Orcs got their heads cut off. Elves did not show up. Elves did not show up, but then elves were never on the outs with men, so it didn't hurt that much that they didn't. Yeah, that's true. All right. But let's, let's shout out some patrons, guys. Let's, let's do shout it. out to some patrons. Jake, why don't you compare each one of these patrons to something from summer, the month of summer. And, and, and Brandon, you shout them out. All right. Oh, like I have the easy job. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give, I'll, I'll, swi- I'll switch it up next time. I'll give, I'll give Jake the easy job. No, don't, don't worry about it. I, <laughs> I think I can survive. I know you want more action. Oh, yeah. You're like an honorable man, like Aragond or Borogorn. Thanks. I like all the subtle insults (laughs) you're giving to me here, Nathan. (laughs) Me too. All right. Robert and... Excuse me, folks. Robert and Rhonda the Lovebirds. Robert and Rhonda the Lovebirds. Sand. Mm. Notice how neither Jake or Brandon said, bless you, by the way. Mm. (laughs) No. (laughs)
1: Oh, <laughs> I assumed you would cut it out, so I didn't need to pretend <laughs> to have any sympathy, any or... sympathy or propriety. Gesundheit, <laughs> height, Nathan.
0: The Artful Anthony Dodger.
1: The Artful Anthony Dodger. Ice cream sandwiches.
0: A little Anthony Cigar Store. A little Anthony Cigar Store.
1: Anthony cigar store. Uh, pools. Cool.
0: The Immortal Chelsea E.
2: Immortal <laughs> Chelsea E. I don't know
0: why that was cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
1: a cool thing from summer. Come on. Awesome.
2: <laughs> Radical. Popsicles. <laughs> Tubular man. <laughs>
0: Tubular is the phrase that I always use. Uh, Jimmy Beam and Lilani Oakley. The, 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 yeah, bicycles. <laughs> Brennan, you had one job. <laughs> Lily of the Valley. <laughs> Lily of the
1: Valley. Basketball with friends.
0: Andrew and Esther, not anymore. Post COVID nineteen. Oh, yeah. Andrew and Esther, the Lovebirds. <laughs> Andrew and Esther, the Lovebirds. Hot dogs. The Keith
2: Master. The Keith Master. Baseball. But David's Mighty Men Trucking. David's Mighty Men Trucking.
1: Peanuts and cracker jacks
0: john and jill and little baby max <laughs> kind of cheating john and jill and little baby max
1: berry picking
0: uh, okay. it's not summer if i haven't gone
1: berry picking no. i go berry picking every summer
0: i have never I gone berry picking in my life except for one other day you go berry picking be. Have in michigan
1: yeah yeah see we go on vacation up in michigan and the blueberry patches are yeah. ripe and wait this sounds like you idyllic. do like. sounds like summer jake vacation
0: does like nature yeah it sounds Brandon? like it does You should probably write some long descriptions of berry picking for Jake. I will, Jake. Hey, people,
2: we should do it (laughs) in some sort of challenge where if they do it right, we'll do some berry picking paragraphs for Jake. Okay. What do people have to do to get berry picking? (laughs) We'll both have to write one, Nathan. Yeah, okay. I'll write a berry picking paragraph for Jake. Imagining him like- (laughs) Like some kind of old timey- As a bear. (laughs) You berry picking. (laughs) Isn't there a blueberries with Sal or something? We'll just turn Jake into a bear eating berries or something.
1: A berry. Oh,
0: It'd be very good. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think this. we need artwork because
1: I like the artwork that we got. For the oh, last oh, yeah. Movie. Oh, yeah. Which, the by studio. the way, Brandon
0: wrote two spider poems. <laughs> I did. For the two artists. Those things spider
1: will... and beaver poems.
0: Spider and beaver and beaver space poems. Yeah. Uh, they will both be appearing on our Instagram. You can go to there at the booketting. And also, those people should have already gotten an email with those poems. You're welcome. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed them. One, one of them was very poignant, and the other one. Was good but was i don't just funny That's all. My head. yeah fairy princess of wonder and happiness mother beth
2: fairy princess of wonder and happiness mother beth homemade ice cream did i say Jane and katie were cold and love cheese and also, lewis, and, and, and also c.s lewis including till we have faces you did not jay and katie were cold love cheese and also c.s lewis including till we have
0: faces four wheeler rides console prime adam console prime adam fireworks Uh huh. so we need artwork of a lord of the rings lord of the rings characters picking going berry picking
1: oh that'd be awesome Mm, Fletcher, I think, is gonna have a leg up on this,
0: our old friend Fletcher that's right the, the dark be- or the well bedraggled wizard of yore, oh yeah. yeah,
1: he will. We got a nice little uh sketch sketch from him in the mail the other day.
0: well, I know you guys all want yeah, that was that that sketch was awesome. thank you, Scott. We love it when people say I them half out,
1: right? wondered like I had to look at it a second time, be sure it wasn't like part of the stationery like
0: yeah, it was good. it was really good. We love it when people send us artwork. It's
2: fantastic. We love it. We do. Keep at it.
0: And if you send us artwork, you will get a paragraph from me and Brandon (laughs) describing Jake Berry picking. So maybe a hoverboard. (laughs) You know you want it. (laughs) (laughs) But we need berry picking Lord of the Rings characters. Jeremy the Darker, the Lord of Death. Jeremy the Darker, the Lord of Death. Watermelon. Nathan, not me. Nathan, not Nathan. Campfires. Maya. Maya. Ryan the Red Avenger and Judith of the Ladies of Justice
2: ryan the red avenger and judith the ladies of justice uh s'mores maya got nothing
1: maya gets a uh hamburger sure grilled hamburger i was gonna come up with some kind of summary cocktail oh yeah you should do do it
0: uh my tie my tie yeah my tie a maya tie tie. (laughs) (laughs) this podcast has reached its peak (laughs) (laughs) ryan the red avenger and judith the ladies
2: they're s'mores sorry
0: sorry folks Sometimes when Brandon distracts everything, and <laughs> we just verge into silliness. I can't keep track. Uh, Danny the Dude. Danny the Dude. Gin and Tonic. Mm-hmm. DJ Sammy G. DJ Sammy G. Wigga wigga. Pineapple. DJ Sammy Gin and Tonic. Ben and Dana uh, Tiberius. Ben and Dana Tiberius. Margarita. Uh, my Tiberius. Eric, yeah. and Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Break. Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Brights. It's
1: a picnic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your impression of me always sounds like Yoki Bear. <laughs> 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 I need a big nigga bass here. <laughs> <laughs> Professor and Lady X. Professor and Lady X. Cold brew coffee. Mm, yum. Lavender's green, Dylan Dylan. Dylan, 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 Dylan. Lavender, Dylan Lavender's blue. Lavender's Dylan, green, Dylan Dylan, Dylan Dylan. I love Dylan, you too. Homemade Kool
1: Aid Pops. No constrictor. Yummy. No constrictor. Uh, free, <laughs> freeze pops,
0: <laughs> merchie yeah. merchie, volleyball out backyard volleyball, mm. Mm. volleyball Outyard yard volleyball. The fair and pregnant, chloe. The fair and pregnant, mint chloe. Golf. <laughs> I thought it was cold nights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese. Cheese, <laughs> mint Julep
2: Jujitsu Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger. Jujitsu Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger. That's right, Texas
1: street vendors. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Rachel.
0: Rachel, Rachel. Corn Dogs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Leopard Tank Thomas. Leopard Tank Thomas.
1: Uh, county Fairs.
0: Yeah. Midnight Ninja Allen Midnight Ninja Allen.
1: Ferris Wheels.
0: Queen Congetta. He's <laughs> going to say Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> Queen Congetta. Lawn Chairs. That movie does not play, take place during summer, Brandon, because Ferris Bueller is escaping from school. That's right. Man, when you got a logical work in mind like yeah, he mine. He is a completely a figment of his friend's imagination. Oh, is that your theory on that movie? That's somebody's theory. I think there's too many theories about a middling film. Yes, folks, that's my take on that. Yeah. Return
2: of the Jedidiah. Return of the Jedediah. Bug spray.
0: Middling might be fair. Unfair. Fair to middling? Unfair to middling? Too fair. Too fair? Yeah. It's got a cute beginning when Ferris is taking his shower and talking to the camera. That's, that's what that movie has going for it. That's it. Mm. don't really care about anything else you want prime hughes watch the breakfast club Mm. Uh, jay of rack and ruin dan rack and ruin tiki torches is that true is that the best john hughes movie breakfast club i don't know maybe planes trains and automobiles but that's atypical yeah what's martin sheen's son's name charlie sheen
2: no the other one enrico iglesias or something like that
0: oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from The Breakfast Club, Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Nice job, racist. Timothy, the writer at Dawn. Did I say him? Timothy, the writer at Dawn.
1: Camping. The
0: question is that the best Emilio Estevez movie? No, that would be the D two. The That's right. Not D one. D two. Eric and Captain. Yeah, I said them. Manny, 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 Matt Man.
1: Uh, Hammocks.
0: Yeah, yeah, but wasn't he and also um. Like a Wyatt Earp movie or something. Young Guns? Yeah, Young Guns. Oh, brother. Sweet Jamie Sunshine. Sweet Jamie Sunshine. Barbecue festivals. You're welcome, folks, for Brandon reminding you that Young Guns was a thing. You ever seen Tombstone? Yeah, Tombstone's great. Fantastic. Young Guns, not so much. Yeah. Tyler, the Keeper of Eternal Darkness, and Laura, the Keeper of Eternal Light. Tyler, the Keeper of Eternal Darkness,
2: and some, um, Kyla? Twyla? Laura. Laura, the Keeper of Light. Eternal Light. Eternal Light stargazing stargazing oh yeah that's a fun one cold. watch those pleiades watch those pleiades those those uh, shooting stars
0: they're great cold steel cody
2: perseids they're the ones that are in the summer
0: cold steel cody the perseids are not in the summer right fishing. are they december i don't know you're the star, one of those right? are in the summer i'm sorry i might be getting this wrong Fishing.
2: Sorry,
0: fishing yeah host said bad star fact one star <laughs> Jacqueline, the librarian, the librarian.
2: Jacqueline the Librarian Barbarian. Jacqueline
0: the Librarian Barbarian. What's the
2: best movie about stars? Is it Apollo 13?
0: The best movie about stars? What? Did I say John Bombadillo, Diggity and Captain John
2: mate? John Bomb and Captain Tenil his mate.
0: Slip
1: and slides.
0: I love a slip and slide. Yeah. Brandon slips. He doesn't really slide, though. Yeah. I just, like
2: a, what's that old comedy where you just slip on banana pills? Slapstick. I'm slapstick comedy every time I try to step on one.
0: So I, I don't know that I've ever actually been on a slipping slide. Honestly.
2: I got sung by a honeybee on a slipping slide once when I was little.
0: There you go. Yeah. And we both just called it a slipping slide. Which, <laughs> you just followed me into the darkness there. Uh, Jake, I hope you got another one loaded because we got another I, person. I've
1: had so many loaded and then you guys like. We're having this conversation <laughs> outside. Are you having of... this other conversation <laughs> that is driving them out of my mind. It's uh, okay, <laughs> so, well, so hard to keep things in my head.
0: You can do it. I, I have faith.
1: No, I'm done. Saxo-
0: no, you got to give one for Saxophone Alex. Outdoor Concerts. Outdoor Concerts. Saxophone Alex. Uh, Booking Today, written, produced. Fireflies. What are we yeah. uh, recording next week, guys? Uh, I don't know. Let me look it up. Cause Beach balls. Yeah, Jake, just Jake, Just keep keep saying that.
2: Going, Jake. You got <laughs> I I believe in you. Boating. Boating.
1: Sail boating. Yeah. Sailing. Yachting. Yeah. Well, canoeing. Yachting. Kayaking. Is, yeah. Speed boating. All the, jet skiing. Yeah. Water tubing. Water skiing.
0: Mm. Ooh, dangerous laughter.
1: <laughs> Stephen
0: Milhauser.
1: Agatha Christie books for the bookending. That was one I had loaded up that I lost. Not this year, though. Not this year, but this year is the first year in a
0: couple of years.
2: Is Death on the Nile coming out this year?
0: Nah, I think it's next year. Okay. It plus, everything's on hold right now anyway. But we'll do Death on the Nile when it comes, or... We're all about the Christie. She's a Chris Christie, that is. Yeah, Chris Christie. (laughs) Uh, I probably gave that more than it deserved, but I I liked it. (laughs) You're welcome, Nathan. (laughs) Thank you, Brandon. All right, folks. uh, We'll be back next time. Go to patreon.com forward slash the booking to support this show. Thanks and goodbye.